And there came a day. A day unlike... Wait. No, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks in... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 251 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I am Brian. We have survived another week, Brian. We did. It has been a quiet week here. Uh, Most of the country is, I think, colder and snowier than we are in Atlanta. Yes, definitely. So, uh, if you're listening to this trying to stay warm, we're not going to talk about the weather beyond that. And... Uh, explaining why this week's episode is going to be strange. And probably, uh, short. I feel like whenever we promise a short episode, they end up long. Well, that's, that, that is, that is, that is fair, but yeah. We are significantly limited in what we can talk about. Uh, Diamond Comics, the comic book distributor for American comics except DC, uh, has a southeastern warehouse located in Memphis, Tennessee. Federal Express was not able to get to the warehouse uh, this week before it became enveloped in ice. I picture the Fortress of Solitude, basically. Oh, I I was thinking either Mr. Freeze or uh, Killer Frost was, yeah. Yeah. Um, Who's the Ice King from Adventure Time? He's probably just called the Ice King, isn't he? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, the Ice King. Okay. Yeah. Uh, That's where I thought... Or Simon, if you want to, yeah. For some reason, that's where I thought you were going to go. Not comic book characters. Go oh, figure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I have only been able to get DC books this week because they have a different distributor who ships slightly earlier. So uh, the limiting factor in our episode this week is the fact that it's going to be only DC. Yes. Um, not by choice so much as by necessity. As by that's what we got yeah. yeah uh but we uh do have some mailbag questions and a pretty chunky list of stuff to talk about for next week's books so we can we can stretch and vamp right yeah sure not to mention you know people might like a a, a nice short ep- you know if we can keep it short a nice short episode to uh as a break well, we did go like two hours last week, so that's probably but, fair. Yeah, that was kind of my point. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, then with no further ado, uh, and knowing Brian has things to do today, too. Future State, Catwoman, number two. Oh, hey, I didn't put these in order by timeline, but you know what? Fuck it. We're going to be willy-nilly this week. <laughs> I love it. Future State, Catwoman, number two. This is written by Ram V. Art and colors are by Otto Schmidt, and letters are by Tom Napolitano. I think it's safe to say, Brian, that this is the last book in the 2025 set of Gotham books. I think so, yeah. I I think this is, uh, this kind of wraps up that, that era, that time, that, that specific time period. Uh, and leaves it with, oh, if we're going to tell more stories here, this is where it's going to pick up. Yep. This is part two of the heist. 
Uh, Talia has sprung Bruce from containment in one end of the train, while Catwoman and Anamatapia are fighting their way through the rest of the train. Can, can, I, can I just say one more time how much I appreciate them including Anamatapia in this? Absolutely. I... You know, if Rom V wants to sneak Anamatapia into the rest of his Catwoman run, I'd be here for it. Oh yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't hate this. I don't know what sound a thumbs up makes, but that's the sound I would make were I Anamatapia and I were included as Anamatapia in the run. This is getting away from me. I think. I, I'm pretty sure the sound is just thumbs up, like a runaway train. It is getting away from me. Wow. Uh, yeah, so uh, speaking of runaway trains, um, gee, part of this train goes missing. <laughs> yeah, apparently uh, Selena and friends have basically built their own railroad, or borrowed an old railroad, and attached yes. it. Uh, and that is their, their master plan, which... Good on you, Selina. Selina, the new rail baron of Gotham. Yeah, I do find it interesting that, and this is, I, I mean, like, and I think we mentioned this last week, we're, we've reached the point in these where we really get a sense of how these kind of fit together, right? Yeah. And I, I find it interesting that Selina is not part of the resistance in any way. Yeah, I mean... Well, I, I say she's not, like, clearly she's kind of worked with them and had contact with them, but she's not, like, part of it. Well, we get kind of the definition of the resistance in the Batgirl's backup. Right. And that's basically, if you're not the magistrate, you are by default the resistance. Like, you may not be actively working toward anything. Right. But... If you want to fight back, you are part of the resistance. And like this and the Gotham City Sirens story kind of paint to me the picture of, okay, Selena's running her own operation. Like she has the, the kids who we see her with in the current timeline or sort of right, her, her strays. Yes. Yeah. But it does certainly seem like she can reach out to and coordinate with the resistance. We know Talia's in the resistance from right, yes, uh, Nightwing and Batgirls. We see her as a member of it in both of those. Yes. So, like, I wouldn't go so far as to say she's not a part of it so much as I mean, it's Selena. She, right. She works with whoever lines up with where her interests are. She's fickle, like a cat. <laughs> this is true. She is a cat. She's she basically who she, she, who she wants to associate with, yes. She's basically the Rum Tum Tugger of Gotham. Nope, we're not doing that. <laughs> Too late. I did it 35 seconds ago. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I like that, you know, they, they do have their own commitments or, or things that they need to try and accomplish, and that makes them not able to leave and end this together. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, that kind of defines both of them, right? Right. I mean, they, they there's also a scene at the beginning of this issue that is very much like Selena believing that Bruce is dead, coming to terms with what that means for what her responsibilities have to be to herself right. and to Gotham. Yep. And I think that does kind of inform, like, okay, there is no Batman. She owes it to him to do 
what he would do, even if it's in her own way. And at the end of this, that becomes they have to go do their own things. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta tell you, there's very much uh, this, and part of it was the colors that they choose, this, this red and black, you know, of it, that made me think of Elektra and Daredevil. Oh yeah, yeah, I could see that. Right, where you know it's that they feel this obligation to live up to someone who can't fulfill that role right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I also want to just again like heap whatever amounts of praise exist in the universe. Uh, in their entirety onto Otto Schmidt and his art in this book because it yeah. is absolutely stunning. Yeah, I, lo- I love it. Moving on to Future State Immortal Wonder Woman number two. We have our main feature here, uh, written by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad, with art and colors by Jim Bartell and letters sorry, by... I'm sorry, I, I gotta wipe a little drool off my mouth at Jen Bartel's artwork <laughs> <laughs> and letters by Pat Brousseau oh my word I, like I, I can uh, there is nothing more beautiful than this book to me this week it is it, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it was just all around a great art week yeah uh, yeah that is a very fair statement yes I mean we've got the Otto Schmidt Catwoman art we have Jen Bartel and Aletha Martinez and Mark Morales' art in Immortal Wonder Woman, Nicholas Scott in Nightwing, <sighs> Eduardo Pansica and Julio Ferreira in Shazam, Mikel Hanin, Valentin Delandro, Michael Avon Oming, Sia Oum in Superman Worlds of War, Laura Braga, Nick Darrington, Aneke, Emanuela Lupacino, and Wayne Von Grawbadger in ba- in Next Batman. Like, every book this Everything. week is a big art book. So, like, saying, hey, this is the strongest to me this week is high praise, Brian. It, 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 it is, but I, there is something about the, this that is just the most beautiful. It it is somehow soft without being i don't know most of the time that that that, that artwork gets kind of round and soft to me it it gets simplified mm-hmm. in a way um this, this has none of that this is just i don't know and and it is 100% a personal thing but it just is everything i love oh no i'm not i don't know that i could pick a favorite out of art this week but I am by no means saying this is not a valid choice on your part. I think yeah. it is. I mean, Jen Bartel is one of my favorite artists working in comics right now. Yeah. I would not disagree with you at all there. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to make a, a desktop out of some piece of this <laughs> book today, this week. Yeah. It's also, I think, visually a really interesting book because you have so much bright, bold color in the black nothingness of space yes uh there's also a part of just having those bright bold colors that reminds me of the the bruce tim paul dini justice league and that's always going to be a a favorite reference point for me like anything that makes me think of that is doing something right the other thing that i love that this one has is there's a lot of time here where she's in space Mm -hmm. right and just the way that Jen has drawn these, uh, like there's a like her earrings like are just floating in different directions because there's no gravity. Right? Yeah, just that like there's something about it that just I just love the presentation of it. I agree. 
Yeah. I also really like the the crux of this issue is mm-hmm. Diana is one of the last two people left in the universe. Literally, there are two people left. One of let, whom let's is... Let's just go with two entities, because one of them I don't know qualifies as a person anymore. <laughs> I mean, look, they are sentient. They are in a moment of self-doubt and fear. I think That's they true. are... They may be supernatural, but they are very human here. I'm gonna count I'm gonna count the Spectre as people. Okay. Yeah, that's allowed. That's certainly allowed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the Spectre has hung around because he wants to see who the last other person alive is, just like out of curiosity, which I think is so great and human. Yeah. Um And Wonder Woman is kind of dealing with the same, like, what am I? I'm a god with no one left in the universe. Right. I will die and my death won't even be known. Right. Like, what is a god when there's no creation left, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's, it's, I don't know. I like books that are reflective at that level, uh, at that level where kind of asking the question and the way they ask the question is the answer in and of itself. Yep. Like, she's the force of nature that goes on and and makes sure that the universe is vibrant and alive, or at the very least, like, at peace. Like, depending on where you are in this issue. So, sometimes asking the question is enough, I think. There you go. Uh, Then we have Nubia. This is written by L.L. McKinney, with pencils by Aletha Martinez, inks by Mark Morales, colors by Emilio Lopez, and letters by Becca Carey. I need more of this, just directly into my veins, please. <laughs> and I have I good do... news. What's that? DC announced a list of, this calls them surprise new titles. I don't know that I'd be surprised by dc announcing new titles for 2021 when it currently has like 20 titles solicited in april right yeah but there is a list of 11 books that will be announced sometime over the coming months they're all not necessarily may or june books sure um but nubia and the amazons is one of those books uh and i am optimistic given that most of the new frontiers announcements have kept the creative teams or at least the writers right from uh a future state that we will see this story continue it certainly seems set up to continue it and absolutely well or to have a kind of a, a step back and an origin leading up to this point yeah could be told right i think both right like i yeah, feel like this i absolutely. feel like this gets a little bit of both and i think that knowing that there are in april and may books solicited that are still set in kind of the future right the future state setting this could easily maybe span and connect those eras it could it could i, I and i i, I like i've I feel like we got very like it was a very deliberate choice, right? Um, to have this set up that way, where you could tell either side of it, or like maybe you know this this new book that they do, let's say they decide to keep it in you know in the future and continue this story, right? Mm-hmm. Then you know with popularity and people liking it, then somebody else could later go back and tell that, right? Yeah. I also want to mention, uh, while we're just on 
the publishing side of it. L.L. McKinney is also writing a, or has written, it comes out this week as you're listening, a newbie of sort of all ages or yeah. middle grades book for DC. It's called Nubia Real One, I believe. So it certainly seems like DC is letting her have kind of her her hands on this character pretty consistently yeah. so far. And I, 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 we haven't mentioned them much. I've read one or two of these, uh, these kind of all ages, you know, graphic novels that DC has done. Mm-hmm. Some of them are really good. Yeah, I, I have not, I just haven't found the time yeah. to, or had the focus in in quarantine sure. to dig into them. I, I, like but I said, there are I a lot I've, of them that sound super super cool. I think I've read two of them so far, and yeah. of like I don't know, there's probably been more than a dozen of them now. Oh yeah, easily. Yeah, but the two that I've were both really good. So, yeah. which two oh. were they? Uh, I think I read the Raven one, and was it the Nightwing and Batgirl one, maybe? Okay. I, I assumed the Raven would be one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I know your brand. You do. <laughs> uh, so Nubia. Back to Nubia. Yeah. Um, we we see kind of the the continued confrontation that we we expected, I think, between Grail and... Nubia and learned that Nubia does in fact have a connection to this doorway that Grail is trying to open. We also see Grail summon Cersei through the yes. doorway and try to like wheel and deal with her for her help. I loved that whole scene. Yeah, that was really good. Uh I like I really like the way that Cersei is set up and written here. Just as kind of so beyond the influence of anyone around her, but maybe it almost feels like she has fun playing the game, even though she doesn't really need to. She she made me think of a very reluctant genie in a bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. And yeah, long, long story short, we learn and Nubia learns for the first time that she has this connection to the doorway that one, she is warned to be cautious of, but two, that she is basically the gatekeeper to now. Uh-huh. Uh, and that her Aunt Nancy has maybe not ever told her the whole truth about anything, but also has never steered her wrong, which is a balance I really dig. Um, and we find out that she has more than just Themyscira and Wonder Woman power. She has connection to this other power that is through the tiara that is given to her that she is able to tap into yeah well it mentions she is connected to a different pantheon entirely i have i i have a called shot here okay do you do you have an opinion as to what this is no i think it's the same power that vixen has that taps into interesting yes do you have a reason for that i do one of them is when this happens, um, at the bottom of the page where this happens, her eyes turn gold. Okay. Which is part of it. And then the text is, uh, you know, uh, and I bring with me glory, power, I am the lioness, my strength is your strength, now rise and roar. Okay. And that's when she gets the power to, like, break free and, yeah. Gotcha. So I, I think we're gonna, or th- I think we may find that to be the case. Okay. Yeah, I I think I said last month Nubia is not a character who I know well. 
Yeah, I don't either. Um, I mostly know what I know, in fact, because of articles talking about how she had basically been cut out of continuity since Flashpoint. Uh, which, if these two issues are any measure of, was a huge mistake. <laughs> yes. Ready to go to Nightwing? Let's do it. All right, Nightwing number two. This is written by Andrew Constant. Art is by Nicholas Scott. Colors are by Ivan Placencia. And letters are by Wes Abbott. We we talked last week, Brian, about the potential for like seeing Tim as Robin team up with Jace as Batman and the sort of like flipped power dynamic there with yes. Tim having more experience. Uh-huh. Turns out we didn't have to wait for that. We didn't, did we? <laughs> we get the dynamic duo, yes. I like that this actually sets them on pretty equal footing. Like, Dick definitely feels more the Batman and that he has this plan. Yes. Like the Bruce Wayne to his Dick. Correct. And that he has this plan and that he's not tipping his hand and that he's a little brooding for the issue. But in general, like, if if Jace says, no... I'm sticking around and helping. He he doesn't fight it. He accepts it. Well, and I think there's two parts to that. One is, well, maybe even three. One is just, you know, Dick's personality as opposed to Bruce's. Sure. Absolutely. Right? I mean, like, that's, he's that's not part Bruce of at right? the end of the day. The second is, um, you know, again, we we talked about this. Jace doesn't have the the connection to the Bat family, so there's not the sense that there's any kind of implied authority there. Yeah. Right. I also think Dick has had the experience of being the one saying, no, you yep. need me here to help you. Yes. And that, that colors it too. Um, that being said, I do find it interesting that Jace, there, and it's very, it, I, I don't think it's overt at all. I think it's fairly subtle. There is definitely a, a, a little bit of, Jace looking for, I guess, a, uh, maybe approval is too not quite the right word, but acceptance into the family is kind of what yeah. It I feels guess that's like. right. Acceptance from someone that kind of does have bat authority, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to say, yeah, you're doing a good job as Batman, or you know, yeah, you've taken this role; it's yours. You know, right. Yeah, and it's not like it's not like if he didn't get it, it would make him stop or any like it's not like he's seeking that approval, so to speak. It's just having that is just you know I don't know. Well, it's 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 one thing to operate independently as Batman, but when you right. know that part of being Batman is being part of a Bat family, yes. It is, I think, important to to make those connections. Like, you cannot operate in a vacuum. Yeah. And I think that feels like a natural extension of what we've seen in the next Batman, where he is operating in a vacuum and, like, dealing with, with random contacts on burner phones and mm. trying to make connections in the GCPD. I def I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, but I definitely feel like next Batman is probably pretty early in this twenty twenty five timeline. Yeah, yeah, I think so. 
Uh, because this feels like a Jace who has sort of had more experience. Yeah, like like he knows he can do the job now. Yeah, but also yeah. sees the value in not going it alone. And I think right. that's yeah where that that not looking for approval, but looking to be a part of has Correct. to come. Yeah, from. that that's then that maybe that's the right way to phrase. It. Yeah, yeah. I also love Nightwing's plan. In I this. do too. I do too. I love that I, it. One, I love that it's positioned as no, this is going to be a last stand and blah 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 blah. Yep. And he he plans for that contingency, but as much as we're kind of set up to think that it's Nightwing on a suicide mission, it's definitely that's not his whole plan. It is not. Yeah. I'm going to take down as many of them as I can. And it is absolutely very much. This is where he is at his most Bruce right here. Yeah. Yeah is in this plan that he's put together, right? Yeah. And I, I I love that he is able to step up and take that role. Yeah, I mean, who knew that Nightwing was so good with electronics? <laughs> like, we can I, both I, agree he, he got Babs to help him, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then help what I really, really love marks. is, I, I, I gotta say, I gotta step back for a moment, I, I do, that, that full page of just the two of them and where, the dynamic duo it is then. Uh-huh. That is that is that's that's prime stuff right there. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the rest of the resistance showing up was that's pretty good too. Yeah, uh, and like good on Jace for calling for backup. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The next book we have is Future State Shazam number two. This is written by Tim Sheridan with pencils by Eduardo Pansica, inks by Julio Ferreira. Colors by Marcelo Maiolo and letters by Rob Lee. A quick peek behind the curtain. Brian and I started to talk about this book, went down a deep Google search hole to answer a question we had, and are now just taking a second swing at this whole cloth because, frankly, that audio was unusable. Yes, yeah, we yeah, there's to no way you could piece that together <laughs> to make anything coherent. <laughs> I could. I just didn't want to. This yeah. Is well, easier. okay. Yeah, that, not worth the time. Uh, uh, so I asked a question, or yes. made an observation, I guess, yep. that kicked this off, which is: last week in Justice League, there was a character's face on the last page who we could not recognize—a black woman in like a white trench coat or with like a white trench coat collar. Uh, sort of, it was just sort of a, a bust drawing of her and sort of an image of multiple characters. Realizing, or reading this book, I realized, oh wait, it's the character in this book who we actually couldn't entirely place last time. We both like sort we of speculated. thought we might know who it was? We thought it was maybe the new Power Girl from right. the New 52, Tanya Spears. Tanya Spears, right. Um, but we stopped and did some searching to confirm that or figure out if it was someone else because there's a page in this where she like giant man's out yes and that's not something we were familiar with as part of her power set so brian you found the answer what did you find well i found that we were partially correct it is tanya spears which is probably why we recognized her as such yep but 
In this, she is actually going by the codename Powerhouse. And I don't know if that means she has a different power set or that means that, you know, it has expanded somehow. Expanded, get it? Hmm. Um, Or (laughs) that, um, yeah, I'm I'm not really sure there. And um, the last place we saw her, she and... Kara. uh, Kara? Uh, well, no, uh, uh, well, Karen Star, whatever, yeah, yeah, Earth 2 Super Woman, Super Girl, Power Girl, there we go. The two Power Girls. Um, they were trapped kind of between universes last we saw either of them. Correct. So, who knows if that has had, has given her the ability to change powers, if it's science because she is also a scientist yep uh or if it's something else that we'll see but this is definitely like i think one of those big question marks now that hangs over the teen titans academy book and whatever else connects to it and and not the question who is also in this book that's true we do learn the questions identity sort of sort of We we learn who's behind the face behind the mask. <laughs> I I I absolutely loved that that moment. That is hands down one of the best like single moment reveals of Future State. Yeah. To the point where I almost don't want to say who it is in the episode. Oh yeah, I don't I I don't think we should. I think what we can say is um we do find out what is actually going on with Shazam though. Yes. And that is that essentially because he is split from Billy, he doesn't have Billy's vision or guidance. Yeah. Right? His soul, so to speak. Um, and Neron has essentially put his a, a portion of his own in Shazam. So he is seeing things that are not there. Yeah. This basically like, makes yeah. makes Shazam constantly think there's this secret demon invasion. Yep. That only he can see, and that's why he's been killing people, is because he thinks he sees them as demons. Correct. Um, Brian, this also proves something else that you, you speculated at, right? Yep. Uh, going back to, in Suicide Squad number one, the, the Black Adam backup, you asked, is that a Shazam lightning bolt on the unkindness? It was. The, yes. The answer is 100% yes. You you basically, you got every single goddamn detail of that. <laughs> well played. Thank you. To be fair, let's look at who the character is that it's coming from. I'm like, that would, that would be the one that I would clue in on. I mean, that's true. That's yeah. fair. Like, like I am one of you. my favorite characters, yeah. Um, which I'm just, I'm I, I like, I, I so love this story, but I'm so horribly terrified about what it means for this character. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully we can avert all of this in the pages <sighs> of Team Titans Academy. Let's hope so. Okay. And then, so I do, which I mean, we've talked about this in, in other issues we've discussed before that essentially we know who it is and i mean we know who shazam took in from justice league last week we know who shazam took into the rock of eternity to hold in prison there right and it it was raven right who had consumed or you know taken into herself all of the four uh, horsemen four horsemen right um so this very last page which is you know her as the unkindness 
with Shazam's powers now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, did you see the kind of belt-ish thing that's I around did. her waist? And you notice that the central figure of that is like the Shazam lightning bolt, right? Uh, or the flash lightning bolt, because Wally West. Oh, it could, that's true. It could be that. I did not think of that. Oh, so I wonder if each of these is one of the one of the horsemen that are in her. Maybe that's what these are. I was trying to figure out what those symbols could mean. Yeah, like, I also think it would help. We didn't know who two of the horsemen were. Like, we weren't that's, sure. Right, yeah, right. So it could be that you've got, like, death, war, plague, famine, shazam. Uh... <laughs> famously the fifth horseman the fifth horseman shazam yeah um famously shazam. the fifth the fifth beetle shazam I feel like i feel like that turns into the case i'd have to go well golly so you know the muppet show is now all on disney plus as of okay friday uh i have already made it like 10 episodes in and that does include the jim neighbors episode there you go yes and I was disappointed that at no point when any of the Muppets shouted, Shazam! What did my wife do? <laughs> I don't know, but I absolutely... <clears throat> I don't know, but please keep that in. That was beautiful. My allergies are really bad today, I will tell you that. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I am thankful for noise gating, because <laughs> then this track will not have all my mouth breathing in it. But I'm going to crack that up to allergies and not second puberty in my 30s. <laughs> Which is exactly what it sounded like. Fucking Bobby Brady over here. <laughs> oh, good times, good times. We'll see if that stays in just based on how sonically terrible it is when I listen back to it. Oh, it was so funny, though. It was so good. Anyway, Gonzo never gained the wisdom of Solomon. That's where I was going with that. There you go. There you go. Ugh. Uh, yeah, like I said, uh, horrified for what this means for Raven, but absolutely loving this story. Yeah, I think this corner of Future State is so well constructed and has yes. done a really great job of peeling back layers yep. and obviously it was all it was all telegraphed in a way that earns it because brian saw straight through the veil into <laughs> into exactly what was going on yes yeah future state superman worlds of war number two once again the chonkiest book in the yeah. line First up, we have The Many Deaths of Superman. This is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, with art by Mikkel Hanin, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by Dave Sharp. Uh, and we learn how Clark Kent saved the life of this character who was introduced in the first issue. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I am normally not a big fan of... The sort of asynchronous voiceover, like reading a letter or article or something like that, that intersperses stories, especially right. when it's like cut right. in with other dialogue. Yes. I am normally not, it's just not my favorite tool in the toolbox. Sure, like comics. like when there's like when there's a poetry in, in boxes and then there's the pictures behind it or, yeah. Yeah, or even just like 
someone's making an inspirational speech and it's sure. intercut with characters having dialogue like that back and right. forth. Honestly, it's that I find it really hard to read. I have to like read one set of boxes and then go back and read the other set of boxes. I can't gotcha. hold it back and forth. Anyway, this is a, a story that I think uses that intercut narration really, really well. Uh, agreed. And I will tell you, a big part of that is they don't try to mix the two. Yeah, it's really it's a really yeah. light hand on how much they actually overlap. Yeah. Uh, most of this issue then is built around this story Clark wrote about a man who he knew who died homeless and the story of how that man got there fighting in World War II, losing his son, starting a charity, being politically active. But then basically being failed by the systems that he fought to make sure protected people. Yep. And how, you know, to Clark, that was a lesson to always stand up and fight. And we see that sort of juxtaposed against Superman in the battle pit. So far, I think this has been these two issues of, of the, the many lives of Superman and many deaths of Superman have, I think, been a really well executed kind of thematic exploration yes. right yeah we also get a little bit of context to what has been going on on war world and it is horrifying it is mongol keeps killing and reviving clark hoping that he will eventually like erode all of superman's memories and be able to use him as his own soldier yep they're basically trying to create a weapon out of him yeah. and i just absolutely love that conversation they have between the two of them. Mm -hmm. So, so one of the things that you see just slightly earlier than this in the book is when Mongols like, uh, you, you have failed to save a, you know, a single slave or whatever. Da, da, and he's like, yeah, that's not the target. And we see that, you know, the goal of Superman has been to break these chains that are holding all of these people slaves. Right. Yeah. Not to win. Right. So I want to I want to draw your attention to it's the page after uh you did not bloody a single fighter. Right. The the bottom row center panel. Did you happen to notice the symbol on Mongol's chest there? I did notice it, but I couldn't place it. It's the yellow lantern core emblem. <laughs> I do believe you are correct, sir. I was about 95% sure that was what it was. Looked it up. Like, just looked up all the Lantern Corps emblems. It is, in fact, Yellow Lantern. Really? Hmm. Yep. Okay. So, uh, obviously something has happened that this book does not, like, give anything more than the barest hint of. Sure. But going back to what we had talked about with the Green Lantern book and how the the shape of this future is going to be pretty hostile to green lanterns and has a lot of political change in the lantern ecosystem uh i'm gonna guess this is a pretty big part of it yeah yeah i i definitely think so i do want to read like these three panels real quick because i think like just this this interchange between the two of them tells you like everything it explains a whole lot about superman and why he's here yeah. Right. 
And it's, this is Mongo go, one day, slave, you will remember nothing but your life, but this arena, not your woman, your son, or even your own name. You will only be a soldier of war world. On that day, I will send you to earth and you will kill all you once loved, uh, all who once loved you. For on that day, you will have forgotten them, just as they have already forgotten you. And Superman interrupts, this is no Mongol. I won't leave until I've broken every chain on War World. On that day, when every slave is free and every life you've taken is paid for, then I'll go home. Which is very much a, no, you don't understand. You're not keeping me here. I'm staying here. <laughs> no, no. You're locked in here with me. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and like he has no response to that. He just turns around and walks away. Yeah, yes. I think very clearly these two issues form the thesis statement for what Johnson is yep. going to be doing. I, I think you are 100%. Well, and it tells us very clearly, to be continued in future state Superman House of L. Yes. So, yeah. Which we'll get that, that capstone, I think, next week. Yeah. But yeah, this is, the, I, I think you are right. I think this theme yeah. is going to very, very much be a, 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 a thematic statement to that. Yeah. Uh, that and and we've talked about this too, but the the looking for his place for John, mm-hmm. I think, will be the other side of the coin. And I think we'll probably see those played as almost a foil to each other. Mm. The Superman knows who he is clearly, and this is it versus John trying to find his place. Yeah, yeah. Moving on to Mister Miracle. This was written by Brandon Easton, with art by Valentin Delandro, colors by Marissa Louise, and letters by Dave Sharp. This is... <laughs> We've talked before about, like, the timeline of the two Mr. Miracle stories. Yep. Uh, this this explains the timeline. I, it does. I think that is it, very safe to say. It is, it is a... I, I can tell you how well this was executed by the fact that I did not see it coming. Me neither. And this particular trope, I always see coming. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know that I've ever had this, that I've ever seen this trope and not seen it coming. They got me. Yep. Yeah. It's, in true Mr. Miracle fashion, it is a magic trick. It, it, exactly, it is. And I don't want to say anything else about it. Nope. I want to leave it at that. It's wonderful. Uh, Midnighter. This was written by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad, with art by Michael Avon Oming, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by Travis Lanham. What did you think of this, Brian? I liked the similarity to the other story that we had. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet not the same, right? I I agree with you on that. Yes. I so I guess I guess one thing to note. Maybe ahead of time here is we already know we're getting like a six issue Midnighter series. Okay. That picks up where this book leaves off or where this issue leaves off, but also, let's say, fills in the gaps in the timeline left open by this book. And I say that because the biggest question to me is is Apollo okay? Right, sure. Yeah. Um, I really kind of like the, the cyborg Superman Metallo sort of parallel going on here, mm-hmm. right? If, if Apollo is a, if Apollo is a Superman analog, here is the analog to those characters, potentially. Well, or at and, least in a way. Well, and, and very specifically, I, I think Metallo is probably the, 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 the right answer to that. 
because if you think about what they've created, it is a new, more powerful kryptonite, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also just like if they have killed Apollo off panel, <gasps> I'm going to be so, so sad. Not just because like I'm invested in them. Honestly, like Apollo Midnight are not the characters I know the best. Right. But just there are so few gay couples in comics who get to just be and exist. Like, I hope they are okay for that reason. I think we'll find out. Yeah. Um, that's just, I don't know. That's the one thing kind of in the back of my head here uh, is I want, I do hope that by the end of this, this six issue series coming out of this, that we have an answer to that. Uh, because I couldn't, I, I couldn't get that out of my head reading it. Uh, we also have Black Racer. Yes. This is written by Jeremy Adams, art by Sia Ohm, colors by Hi-Fi, and letters by Gabriella Downey. This is a much shorter, in both issues, this has been a much shorter story than any of the others. Which I think, by comparison, makes it feel like we don't know a whole lot about this character. or, Or even necessarily what's going on around her. Mm Mm-hmm. It really leaves me wanting more, like in it a does. good way. It does, and I, there's a couple. There's something I thought of as I was reading this. Black Racer is, and it it, it really kind of came home to me when I, when I read the one shot that came out. I don't know about two, three years ago. Yeah, that that Jack Kirby. Yep. Homage or not homage, but uh, like Jack Kirby highlight week. Yep. Or month. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that was. Black Racer always felt like a character that was out of time now. Like, he yeah. just didn't belong in the modern era of comics. Um, I, I think this does a wonderful job of taking that persona and making it. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. it's, I think, the difference between being purely a force of nature. Maybe to go back to the, the Spectre thing from from earlier in our episode right like you can call the specter a person in that issue because they have some amount of humanity in them Mm -hmm. i think that's the difference between traditional like new gods black racer right and what we see here because what we see here is very much a person who like chose the name black racer knowing mythologically who the black racer is her friends thought she was inviting death and maybe it turns out she was, but everything she does here is human and fallible and to some degree emotional in a way that the black racer traditionally never has been. Yes. So I think you're I think you're absolutely right. And I like I, it. I, I do want, want to know more. more. I like it. I do want more. Yeah. Last one in Future State, the next Batman number four, with the main feature by John Ridley, art by Laura Braga, breakdowns by Nick Darrington, colors by Arif Prianto, and letters by Clayton Cowles. This book always catches me by surprise, because this is another, this is the other super chunky book, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm always, I always get to it, I'm like, oh my god, I gotta read this whole thing. <laughs> And then start reading it, and I'm like, if I like get through every story in it, and I'm like, damn, I want more now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing that, especially when it comes to this main feature, the thing that is striking to me now that we're at the last issue of this is simultaneously 
every every issue of this has been in a very broad sense what i would expect it to be yeah but has grounded itself so much in the way that jace and other characters around him make choices and the way those choices are human and in and of themselves are surprising and different than what you would expect from a Batman. Yeah. And it's it's going back, I think, in part to what we've said before. It's not a Bat family trained person. Uh, and it is a black man as Batman. And while this is never about his being black, it does feel like there is an empathy that you see in him that is different than what you would get in Bruce Wayne's version of empathy, right? Yes. Like the, the positioning himself between the magistrate and people they consider criminals while also still turning people who have committed crimes over to the authorities are telling them to stop and not do anything else or he'll have to turn them over to the authorities like giving them that chance yeah it's never it's never about them being a superstitious and cowardly lot it's about this is the life hand the hand life has dealt them but let me let me try to find a way to help them make better choices first well and clearly there is a, a very much and something that that i can't that i can try and understand but i can't relate to i can't right, feel ab- absolutely. which is a, which is about you know a, a black man and his relationship to authority right yeah yeah so uh, yeah, yeah there's that's definitely in here yeah the, the other thing is you know you kind of said you know it it, it kind of takes you doesn't take you anywhere you don't expect it to go i don't think this is the the strength of this is in the you know like a surprise or or like you know the 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 story that tells them that way i think it's the execution of it that is so good oh absolutely i think yeah. i think the 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 freshness the newness in it come from those things come from how well realized all of the characters in it are yep and how different they feel from the characters we normally see in a street level batman story yep it's not bruce and jim gordon and oracle on comms it's jace and uh this new one detective who will kind of give him the time of day and a random russian dude who he calls a couple of times on a burner phone and i do love i do love this cop though Uh (laughs) uh-huh where she he turns everything over to her, right? And she, she she's at, he's like, she's like, so is that suit bulletproof? He's like, well, yeah, mostly. Like, it, it, like uh, it'll still hurt like hell, but I'll, so she pulls out her gun and shoots him. Yeah, just so that when she gets asked, she can say, "Well, I shot him." Yeah, I did my job. <laughs> I did my job. I tried to shoot him. Um, the other thing I think that just by definition of Bruce Wayne separates Jace from him as a Batman is Jace has to worry about what his family thinks of him and of caped heroes and all of that. And like, there's literally no way Batman would ever have had to have dealt with that. It's an impossibility. And literally no one else in the Bat family. I mean, there are a couple of exceptions, but. Barbara technically has Jim, and Tim has his parents alive. But it's never been. My, I guess. I guess the point I'm saying is 
they have, and it is, it's the Bat family. They have a family that they can be open about it with. Yeah. Yeah. Jace has nobody at this point. Right. Yeah. Uh, also, he has to battering his mom. Oof. That was hot. That was, that was tough. That was. And like, there's, the, there's a moment at the end of this where he's like, maybe he was just trying to, you know, he's, he's Batman. He could have probably actually killed you if he'd wanted. She's like, no, he tried and he missed and I should have gotten him. I'm glad we already know we're getting more of this and soon. Yep. Uh, then we move on to Batgirls, which we have alluded to a little bit already. This was written by Vita Ayala with art by Aneke, colors by Trish Mulvahill, and letters by Becca Carey. Can't imagine why I liked the Vita Ayala story so much. I know, right? It's like they know how to write a comic. Huh. I, I, from a setup of the f- kind of the future of the Bat Family, this may be my favorite story now. Yeah. Just in how it positions everybody coming out of this. Also going in, like we, this is yeah. another one yeah. that does a really good job of making us interested in both sides of, of this point in time, what comes before and what comes after. Yep. Yeah, I I love that we see the same resistance members here too. Yeah, right? and that and that's kind of where I was going at, at, when you were talking earlier about how you know everybody is you know if you're not part of the magistrate you're part of the resistance kind of thing. Kind of it, it, it made me think of you know we are champions, right? It makes me think of Olive Garden. When you're here, you're resistance. <laughs> but you know, there's a difference between you know. Being saying, you know, saying if you're not part of the magistrate, then you're part of the resistance, and being like the actual members that are, sure, yeah, yeah. Um, that that being said, I I, I love who is in this and how how it works out. <laughs> I and, love I love if if I have to pick any two characters interacting in this, yeah, it's definitely Steph and Grodd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I love I I like Steph's interaction with all of the black coats, right? Yeah, yeah. for real. Yeah. Oh. But there's something about the we could just kill them. No, you have to leave them alive. Fine, but now we're even. That is Yeah. Just like such a great cuz I'm sorry. I want you to stop and take a moment, Brian, and imagine what what set of circumstances leads Grodd to feel like he owes any human a favor ever right uh, oh oh right yeah give me <laughs> right holy cow there's no mm. what did steph do for grod you know what i almost don't ever want to get the actual answer to that oh i definitely don't no yeah. real answer can live up to no, just the situation exactly exactly um that being said i i especially given where we were at coming out of uh death metal Right. Mm-hmm. I can't say that I hate knowing that five years in the future, Barbara and and Dick are still an item. Yeah. I I, I still uh, going back to death metal. I still want them to earn that. I mean, this is where I will remind you that Tom Taylor is going to be writing Nightwing and is yeah. bringing in Barbara Gordon and yeah. giving them a puppy. Yep, a three legged puppy. Yeah. No, this is this is great. I love yeah. this. Uh, and our last our last story in the next Batman is Gotham City Sirens, written by Paula Sevenbergen, pencils are by Manuela Lupacino, inks are by Wade Von Grabadger, 
Colors are by John Kalish, and letters are by Becca Carey. This is picking back up in the fight uh, that the first part of this ended in, and then moving us over to Poison Ivy's secret hideout, which is basically this big, beautiful farm in like this glassed-in greenhouse farmhouse. And I've got to tell you, Brian, the fact that she has to give this up in the course of this story is maybe the most heartbreaking thing in Future State to me. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Like she's got spas, and she's mixing shrubs, like, the, the cocktails, and she has, like, her pet plant creatures that just hang out. She grows, well, everything, because she's Poison Ivy. Like, this is her, this is her Fortress of Solitude, and one, it sounds like she needs it. Poison yes. Ivy definitely, like, does best when she has a little bit of chill. But two, just, uh, she's not gonna find something like that again that close to Gotham, not with the magistrate around. Yeah, well, you know, I'm hopeful the magistrate's not around too much longer. <laughs> well, uh, um, that's, that's fair. Yeah, so there were a few there were a few things coming out of it. One is uh so DD001, right? DD. Yep. I finally figured out like last time I read this I was like, god, that character reminds me of somebody I cannot figure out who. And it's 100% an aesthetic thing. I finally remembered what it was. Yeah. And it was Bubble Gun. I don't know if you remember that comic. It was Was that a long box book report you had to do like 3 it years was, ago? Do you remember when we when we when you bought some of those uh uh like surprise gift boxes and we kind of all went in and got something different out of Oh them? yeah, the comics bento thing. There you go. There you go. Uh and I got something from Aspen Comics called Bubble Gun. And it okay. was really, really good. It sh- sh- very much aesthetic is almost 100% a character from that. Gotcha. Yes. Anyway, that being said, I like that just like let my mind. That's one of those things that was just nagging at me. And then once I figured it out, I was like, cool, I can let that go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but the other thing is I, it, it, the whole time in this, the fact that Selena just has these cat ears. Mm-hmm. That are are literally just look like you know the the headband that you wear that have the little cat ears. Yeah, no, it's amazing. <laughs> I don't know why, but that aesthetic I just love. I mean, it's very it's very Batman sixty six, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, you picture Julie Newmar or Eartha Kitt, and you picture the little cat ear headband. There it is. Sure. Um. That and then, so you know, Selena got shot in the last one. Yeah. Um, uh, Poison Ivy uses plants to um, get the bullet out and to stitch her up and all of that wonderful stuff. And I love the fact she wakes up the next morning and sees that the scar that she has is is in the shape of a flower. Yeah, but it's only fair, right? Because the last time she stitched up Poison Ivy, she did it in the shape of a cat. So I'm like, okay. Somehow, this relationship I now love. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird and so amazing. Yes, yes. Uh, did you did you like the? I hesitate to say good good boy, but I think he's a good good boy. That's fair. The 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 plantasaur dog. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Um, he reminded me a lot of on Darkwing Duck Bushroot would make like little <laughs> sentient plant monsters and yeah. there's one particular design that this reminded me a bit of okay yeah 
So, so the next thing I want to call your attention to, Alex, is how much do you love the fact that the drink of choice for Poison Ivy is a shrub? I mean, 100%. <laughs> One, I appreciate a good shrub. Oh, shrubs are amazing, yes. Uh, two, I appreciate a good pun. This is both of those things. <laughs> so good. Bartender, pour me another, make it a double entendre. Loved it, loved it. So, yeah, so at the end of this, Poison Ivy has decided to take over the uh, the speakeasy, yep. essentially, that, that Slam Bladley was running because he wanted to retire. And what does she decide to call it? D's. D's. Now, Alex, I do have a final question for you. No, Brian, there is not a bag of mixed nuts on the <laughs> menu. <laughs> I was going to ask, what is the snack they serve at the bar? You know it's D's nuts. <laughs> no, no, no. I knew exactly where you were going. <laughs> Indeed. 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 Yes. Okay. Oh. <laughs> we have one more non-future state book. That is Batman Catwoman number three. This is written by Tom King. Art is by Clay Mann. Colors are by Tameo Moray, and letters are by Clayton Cowles. I love the Selena Helena bits in this the mm-hmm. most. Yeah, I I do too. The the character that he is developing in Helen, I I am one hundred percent down for. Yeah. Um. The 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 crux of this, and these are obviously the far future scene, right? Sure. The Joker has turned up dead in Florida. I wonder how that happened. Mm. Jim Gordon got a call because most of the Joker's crimes were committed in Gotham. So they told Gordon, hey, you guys can have your... I'm sorry, they told who? Not Jim Gordon. Uh, Was it Dick Grayson? Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson, the commissioner? Yeah. This police commissioner, yeah. Grayson got the call and asked Helena to come investigate. So now we're in this place where, like, we know Selena did it. And Helena doesn't know that. Well. Well, at first doesn't know that. Yeah. And Selena is, of course, playing dumb and not telling Helena. And now Helena's in the position of, like, having to investigate Selena for it. All the other stuff, the Phantasm stuff and all that, like, it's, it's well done, too. But this is the new, like emotional core of this book for me i i don't disagree that being said uh the 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 phantasm right Uh uh-huh there's a couple of things about that one that were like well well done just in the excuse like there's one where there's one where it's the you you see it from the outside of like an apartment building Uh uh-huh and there's this bright shiny uh christmas party going on in this apartment and then it shows the a window below it where the phantasm has clearly just killed someone and you see their like bloody hand reaching up. Yeah. It's like, oh my just that juxtaposition is just oh exquisite. I also like the scene where where Bruce has called Selena. He's like, Yeah, the alarm went off. Uh this was something Alfred used to deal with. It's probably just a glitch, but hey, you know alarm systems really well. Will you check it out? And the entire time, like, Selena is fighting the Phantasm because the Phantasm has broken in. Because yep. 
the Joker broadcast that Batman and Catwoman had him and were keeping him safe. Yep. So good. All right. There is no Is It Still Good this week, but we do have some mailbag questions. Uh, One thing I did not mention last week when I announced our joining certain POV is that there is an active Discord, uh, which if you are interested in joining, you can do so at certainpov.com. And we have our own set of channels inside of it. And I asked, knowing that we were going to be light on books this week, if not, as it turns out, short on time, (laughs) that uh, if anyone on the Discord had questions for us, it would be a great time to send them in. So, Case shot me a couple of questions, and I'm actually going to start with his second question, because I think it's a great reminder, uh, something that we haven't necessarily said explicitly in a while, but also, if you have come to the show because you have discovered it through a certain point of view, sure, uh, this will be new information for you. Uh, Case asks, do you look to identify good jumping on points for books? What about runs that are hitting their stride and recommend points to go back and start from? Uh, And I like this question because on the one hand, I am uh, a monster who enjoys the psychical torment inflicted on people by recommending more comics to them than they can ever read. Gee, yeah. And two, because to me, this is actually kind of the sweet spot of what probably the mailbag could be, right? Yep, I agree. Um, I personally love recommending where to jump on for a book, uh, whether it's a recent run that's hit its stride or someone coming to me and saying, hey, I want more Booster Gold. I want more Moon Knight. I want more uh, weird sci-fi. Whatever the thing you want is. Like, I love people coming to me and being like, hey, recommend something. Because I will absolutely do it. Uh, But two, yeah, if there's ever something we're talking about and there's a question of how can I get into this? Absolutely. Like, I I think it's fair to say we have a tendency to run a little long sometimes. We do, yeah. It's Uh, almost like we really enjoy this stuff we're talking about. Yeah. So it may not always be something we feel like we've got time to get to for every book we're digging. Hey, go back and start here. But absolutely, if that's a, if there's something we talk about and you want to know, where would we say start or how do you get into this character? Absolutely, drop us a line. You can do it in the Discord. You can do it at bit.ly slash panelology mailbag, capital P, capital M. Uh, Brian, do you have anything else to say or to add to that? Uh, no, I just, uh, yeah, I think it would be wonderful if, if people wanted to reach out and ask that. You have been amazing. Like, me getting back in, you were amazing and, and recommending stuff to me. I, I, again, like you said, you are really, really happy to recommend more than we could ever possibly <laughs> consume. And I will say this too, like, one of the things that I have not been able to do in the last year that used to be kind of the norm for me yeah. is about once a week, uh, usually it would be like a Friday or Saturday night, I would go hang out in my comic shop that I, I frequent. Uh, and I would just like talk to the regulars who come in on those nights and we'd sit there and like recommend things back and forth or someone new would come through and we'd get to talking about comics and be like, yeah, I, 
you know, saw this character on this thing and would love to know about know more about them. And like getting to have those conversations is not something I can do right now yep. outside of the podcast. So like I I am itching for it. I, I would love to field questions like that. Yeah. Um Case's other question, and this is not something we can probably entirely answer on air, but I want to to talk about it. One, to introduce the idea, and two, uh if you're listening and have feedback on the idea, I'd be curious to hear what people think of this. Case asks, would you ever consider a poll for a wildcard comic to discuss? Uh, and he mentions there are other other podcasts that do that for Patreon patrons or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think this is definitely something that, when there is space for on the schedule, I would be down for. I don't know that there's a regular schedule as part of our, our regular episode that necessarily makes sense to do it. it there was a time when I feel like in a in a month with five Wednesdays, the last Wednesday was always light. Yeah, I don't think that's really true very much anymore. It hasn't felt that way. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think it feels like mainline books get the first four Wednesdays, and prestige books get the fifth. Yeah, or miniseries get the fifth. Yeah, like like that that week of that week that week of christmas in december is about the only time i can think of where they still kind of have a light week yeah uh i'm definitely open to the idea what do you think brian yeah i'm not opposed to it either um i i do think and it's definitely something we should talk about and and figure out the logistics of but i don't i i do like the idea a lot yeah i also say we we have been talking internally about ways to uh flesh back out our our patreon we kind of we did kind of simplify it a few months back and and we're looking at especially now that we've joined certain pov looking at ways to maybe offer more through it so maybe this is something we do do in conjunction with that uh like case suggested but yeah it's also i mean we need to have this conversation with jen too because she may be on sabbatical but i think she's still uh should be part of the conversation, which is a big part of why I don't think we can answer it here. Correct. But yeah, if you have thoughts on something like that, or there even just generally like is something you'd like us to cover that we, we haven't recently or haven't ever again, feel free to drop us a line. I'm always open to, I actually find feedback really helpful. Uh, you, the other, uh, yeah. The, I, I wouldn't hate if somebody said, you know, because we're we're about to go into it now, right? But for next week's books, or we call them this week's books, right? If somebody said, "Hey, I know this is coming out. Could you guys see if you could cover it? Cover this particular, and we pick like one of those or something." That may not be. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the general way to make that statement is if there's a book that you think should be on our radar and isn't. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yep. Even just on Twitter, we're at Panelology. Like. Drop us a line. I I am the one who most of the time is watching and and responding on that account. Yeah. But drop us a line if there's something that you think we should be reading and we're not. I'm always down to read more things and talk about more things. All right. And thanks, Case, for for questions. I also really like getting questions just yeah. in general and uh 
send us more if you are listening. Yeah, and and stay tuned. We may have some more information on some ways that we can. We're going to do some additional stuff for connect with. But yeah, yeah, we're. I don't think we've got a timeline to roll anything out explicitly, but we're definitely no. we're definitely but, having these kinds of conversations ourselves right tuned. now. Right. Yeah. Okay. This week's books. We have our last wave of future state. Uh, starting with speaking of waves, Aquaman number two by Brandon Thomas and Danielle Sampere. Batman Superman number two by Jean Luen Yang, Ben Oliver, Scott McDaniel, and others. Dark Detective number four with a main feature by Mariko Tamaki and Dan Mora and a Red Hood story by Joshua Williamson and Giannis Milano Giannis. Legion of Superheroes number two by Brian Michael Bendis and Riley Rosmo. Suicide Squad number two with a main feature by Robbie Thompson and Javi Fernandez. A Black a- and a Black Adam backup by Jeremy Adams and Fernando Passarin. Superman House of L one-shot by Philip Kennedy Johnson and Scott Godalewski. And Superman vs. Imperious Lex number two by Mark Russell and Steve Pugh. Yeah. In addition to that, Brian, tell me about Stray Dogs number one. Yeah, we uh, we talked about this one in solicitations. It's uh, it's just by uh, Tony Fleeks, and the art is by Trish Forstner. Um, it's described as Lady and the Tramp meets Silence of the Lambs. Um, and essentially it's about a, a, a dog who wakes up uh, in, in a house and doesn't recognize any of the other dogs and doesn't know what happened to her lady. Yeah, I 100% wound up with this book on my radar because there was a variant that oh, yeah, I saw I'm the cover. At it right now. It's the Silence of the Lambs poster, but with dogs, I was like, okay, I don't know what this book is, but this is literally all I need, this one image. (laughs) Like, it's sold. Come on. Yeah. Uh, We also have from DC Generations Forged. This is the latest, and I believe final, part of the Generations story that's been going on for a little bit now. Yeah. Uh, This is another big, I think, 80-page one shot uh like shattered was this is from dan jurgens andy schmidt robert venditti brian hitch mike perkins bernard Chang, paul pelletier and others anytime i'm saying others by the way that's because it's how it's solicited uh i did just get lazy as you'll see in a moment when i talk about my next book but first brian yeah paranormal hitman number one so this is uh this is gonna be from Behemoth Comics. Uh the writer is Brett Murphy and the art is by uh Wilson Gandolfo. Um described as Sopranos meets Ghostbusters. This is about two hitmen who work for a mobster and they get recruited by a mysterious government agency to hunt and kill ghosts while then having to dodge their former employer. <laughs> yeah. My last one. Marvel's Voices Legacy Number One. This is another one of the Marvel's Voices anthology one shots. Uh, we actually have a list of all the characters and creative teams here, so I'm going to just bang through them because I'm excited about basically all of them. Yeah. Monica Rambeau from Stephanie Williams, Natasha Bustos, and Rochelle Rosenberg. Luke Cage from Hoche Anderson, Sean Damian Hill, and Lebo Underwood. Blade from Danny Lore, Valentin Delandro, and Dan Brown. Venom from Nadio Korafor, Chris Cross, and Rochelle Rosenberg. 
Domino from Domino from Toche Onebuchi, Ken Lashley, and Juan Fernandez. Ironheart, Miss Marvel, and Shuri from Mohal Moshingo, Chris Allen, and Rochelle Rosenberg. And finally, Miles Morales from John Ridley, Olivier Coipel, and Laura Martin. Nice. Yeah, that's going to be really, really good. Yep. Oh, we're going to have a lot of books to read. Oh, I... Especially since we've got all the non-DC stuff. Yeah, we are going to have to be surgical next week. Yeah. You have one more pick, Brian. I do. Nuclear Family. Nuclear Family. This is an Aftershock book uh, by Stephanie Phillips, hence the reason it's on my radar, uh, with art by Tony Chastine. Um, This is a 1957 American nuclear family, hence the title. But uh, when that dreaded specter of the 50s nuclear war actually happens, uh, they go underground, and the U.S. is trying to still fight Russia while everybody's underground. Um, I don't know, while they're in quarantine, how that's going to make me feel about reading about <laughs> people having to be in quarantine, but we'll see. Uh, this is based on a Philip K. Dick short story called Breakfast at Twilight, so um, yeah, uh, I, I can't wait to see Stephanie's interpretation of this, because I love her stuff. Cool. As always, we would like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. Panelology is a member of the Certain POV Network. If you're looking for other cool podcasts about popular culture, go to certainpov.com. Uh, as I mentioned, you can also find a link to our Discord server there. We would love to have you talking about comics with us uh, on it. Uh, I will also shout out uh, Case's podcast, Men of Steel, which he co-hosts for the network which deals with, I'm going to say, Superman and Superman-inspired stories. Yeah. Uh, definitely check it and any of the other shows on the network out. You can find more about us at panelologypodcast.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash panelology. You can get merch at bit.ly slash merch, capital P, capital M, uh, or, as I said a few minutes ago, you can send us questions, comments, or whatever at bit.ly slash mailbag, capital P, capital M. Until next week, I'm Alex. And I am Brian. Go read comics. CertainPOV.com We've made difficult decisions. And there are still more ahead of us. Two people aren't enough to save the galaxy. We need the toughest. Smartest. Deadliest allies. We need you. We need you to join us. And listen to Reignite. A certain point of view podcast about storytelling, love, and Mass Effect. Join us every other Thursday as we fight for the fate of an entire galaxy. You can find us everywhere you get your podcasts. Or at certainpov.com slash reignite. We're counting on you. We should go.